Once again, please open your Bible with me to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 3. Now we've been looking here in Romans chapter 3, and we've been seeing there in verse 19 through to verse 31, perhaps one of the clearest declarations of the gospel of Christ. We read in verse 19, We know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. So how is it that a sinful, guilty creature like you and a sinful, guilty creature like me, how is it that we can be declared innocent, not guilty, before the holy law of God? My friend, have you ever considered that question? How can I, a sinful man, a guilty man, be justified before the holy law of God? Beloved, that's the question of the gospel that was just read to us from the oldest book of the Bible. In the book of Job, we read, How can he that is born of a woman be made clean? Job's friend Bildad asked, How then can man be justified with God? Or how can he be clean that is born of a woman? You see, my friend, we're born in sin, shapen in iniquity. And so how is it that a sinner like you and a sinner like me, a sinner that's born of a sinful woman, how can we be justified before God? That's the question that the Word of God asks, and the answer is heard through the preaching of the gospel. Sadly, most people, especially religious people, think that they can be justified by what they do. And so they compare themselves with others and think, well, I'm not like that guy. I mean, I'm not a drunk. I, I go to work. I work hard. I pay the bills. I go to church. I pay my taxes. I do this and I do that. Instead of doing that bad thing, I do this good thing. Now, if that's your righteousness, you're lost and you don't even know it, let alone the God you profess to believe. My friend, if that's your hope, then you don't have a justifying righteousness before God. You see, most religious people think that they are justified by what they do. And Paul speaks of this very thing in Romans chapter 10, how that they're always going about to establish a righteousness by the deeds of the law or by a moral standard of their own making. Our Lord declared to those self-righteous Pharisees, those who justify themselves before God by their own works, he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. That word abomination means idolatry. And my friend, it's pure idolatry if your assurance before God, if your confidence before God springs forth from something you do or what men say of you. God's word warrants, idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. And in our day, many of these Pharisees go by the name Christian. And not a few 
but rather many so-called Christians will say to our Lord in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name or, or preached in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then our Lord will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. You see, my friend, the best you can establish before God to try to save yourself is nothing more than filthy, ruined rags. He tells us we are all unclean and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. My pastor once said, quote, I don't want to be found in my best prayer. I don't want to be found in my best message or my best preaching. I don't want to be found in anything I do. Rather, I want to be found in the obedience and righteousness which the Lord Jesus Christ established here on the earth. That is the righteousness that Christ is made unto us. He is the Lord, our righteousness, beloved. End quote. And beloved, every believer wants the same thing, to be found complete in Christ. You see, my friend, you can't be justified by what you do, what you think, what you give, or who you are. Rather, we're only justified, as we read last week there in verse 24, beloved, we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And by his sovereign grace, beloved, he elects us, fetches us, and brings us eternal life through his Son. Beloved, we know, both from the hearing of the preached word and by the revelation of God, the, the Holy Spirit, that sinners, you in the pew and me in the pulpit, how that we are only justified and made righteous only in the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, beginning there in verse 4, Paul is remembering who he once was, that terrorist named Saul of Tarsus, who killed and imprisoned Christians. He writes in verse 4, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I am more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of, he of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. As a blind religious Pharisee, 
Paul once thought of himself as being blameless before the law of God. But when the Lord taught him the gospel, when, when Christ was revealed in him, Paul said, I count everything loss, dung, and ruin, that I might win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith in him. Now, just how good do you have to be to stand before God justified by your own merit? You have to be as good and perfect as God is. Well, pastor, I can't do that. Well, that's exactly right. None of us can. You see, that's why Christ came into the world to save sinners. And he did that by establishing a perfect justifying righteousness on behalf of his people, a multitude of sinners like you and me in this world. Beloved, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth him. Look there back again in Romans chapter 3 and look there in verse 27. Beloved, since the righteousness that justifies us, since the righteousness that saves us is not of ourselves but of God, where is the boasting then? Since sinners are justified only by the grace of God through the blood atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ, where is the boasting? Can you brag before God about what you've done to justify yourself before God? No, of course not. Where is the boasting then? It's excluded. Beloved, we have no room to boast, though we do boast in him, but not in ourselves. All self-boasting then is excluded. By what law? By what rule? By what principle? By of works? Not at all. But by the law, the rule, the principle of faith. My friend, saving faith gives all honor and all glory to Christ alone. Indeed, saving faith always boasts in the Lord. During our study in Galatians, we read there, Paul writing in the last chapter, God forbid that I, and beloved, God forbid that we should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, beloved, we are justified in Christ alone. And so that excludes all boasting in the sinner and gives all the glory to Christ alone. Beloved, we are the true Israel, the true circumcision in the heart by the operation of God, and we rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. We worship God in spirit. We worship in the Lord Jesus Christ, what he accomplished in his flesh, and we have zero confidence in our own. And so, therefore, beloved, we don't glory in our flesh. We have no confidence whatsoever in our flesh. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 9. And look there with me in verse 23. God's word declares in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, 
Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. All right, back to our text in Romans chapter 3. And so in the gospel, my friend, all boasting in the flesh is excluded. Again, verse 27, Romans 3, verse 27. Where is the boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? By what principle? Of works? Nay, but by the principle of faith, the law of faith. The Lord has so designed the law of faith, that is, the gospel of Christ, so that it is exclusively received only by faith in Christ. Four times we read in the Holy Scriptures, the just shall live by faith. Beloved, we walk by faith. You see, faith ever and only looks to the Lord Jesus Christ. We live by faith and we walk by faith. So where does this God-given faith come from? My friend, every good and perfect gift comes from God. And we know, beloved, that faith is the gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Peter calls it precious faith because it's obtained by the precious blood and righteousness of Christ, and it's freely given to God's people. So how do I know if I have saving faith? My friend, saving faith, the faith of God's elect, saving faith, the faith of God's elect, always acknowledges and loves the truth of God, the truth of His sovereignty, the truth of salvation by His grace, the truth of salvation in his Son alone. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is the, is the object of saving faith. Saving faith doesn't look in here. All you'll find in here is a deep, dark well of reasons why God should justly send you to hell. Rather, saving faith looks outside of ourselves under the Lord Jesus Christ. I like to say that again. Saving faith does not look in here to those things that are subjective, like what I think or what I say. Rather, saving faith looks out of ourselves under the Lord Jesus Christ to what he thinks and what he says. Well, what does our Lord say, beloved? He says, Our salvation, it is accomplished, it is finished, it is done. In the book of Hebrews, God's word declares to you who believe, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. 
So how necessary is faith? In the book of Hebrews, God's word also declares how that without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So if the object of saving faith is the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is, what then would be the foundation of saving faith? I mean, what does faith rest upon? Sadly, a lot of people think that faith rests upon our feelings. And they say, well, I know why I believe because, you know, I just feel a certain way. Or a lot of times people who think they have saving faith look back to an experience or to a time in their past. But my friend, saving faith is based upon the promise of God, the word of God. The foundation of faith is the word of God. And so you see, it's not my feelings that faith rests upon, but rather the more sure word of God. Martin Luther said, quote, Feelings come and feelings go, and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God. Nothing else is worth believing. Though all my heart should feel condemned for want of some sweet evidenced token, there is one greater than my heart whose word cannot be broken. I'll trust in God's unchanging word till soul and body part and sever. For though all things shall pass for away, his word shall stand forever. End quote. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God's word. And Lord Whirling, we're going to see that next week in Romans chapter 4. All right, Romans chapter 3, verse 28. Therefore, therefore. Now, whenever you read that word, therefore, you be sure to look back to what has been just said before. Therefore, in this instance, looks all the way back to Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul began this epistle by telling us how that he was a servant of God and was separated unto the gospel of God concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so therefore, and Paul writes here the conclusion of the whole matter in verse 28, therefore we conclude that a sinner is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 2, verse 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. You see, if I can establish my own grounds of a justifying righteousness by the deeds of my hand, by what I do, then there's no need for Christ to come, no need for him to die if I can justify myself, no need for him to come But the plain fact of the matter is we're dead in sins and guilty. And if the Lord Jesus Christ had not come to obey the law of God on our behalf, on behalf of his people, every one of us would perish forever in our sins. And so therefore, verse 28, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. 
Thanks being unto God for that. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 20 again. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. You see, by the law is the knowledge of sin. And so the law doesn't remove sin, rather it reveals it. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God. Now this is not referring to God's holy character. Rather, this speaks of the righteous holiness of God provided in the gospel. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. My friend, God justifies the Jew and the Gentile the exact same way. Now, there's a lot of people who get very confused about what Paul is saying here about being justified by faith. My dear professing Christian, the act of faith does not justify the sinner. Rather, it's the object of faith that justifies him in Christ. God help you. God teach you to understand that. You see, saving faith looks to Christ. Saving faith is given in the new birth and the fruit of the new birth. That's looking unto the Lord Jesus Christ for all your salvation, who is the author and finisher of our faith. True faith, saving faith, looks to the one who gave it. Indeed, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. I'll say that again using two words, just two words. In and of. In and of. Saving faith believes in Christ, and saving faith has for its object the faith of Christ. You see, beloved, our faith in Christ doesn't cause God to justify us. Rather, the faithful obedience of Christ has already done that. And so the faith of the believer, saving faith, rests upon Christ alone as Savior and obtains peace with God, that perfect peace, through our complete justification. You see, our faith in Christ does not merit justification with God, but rather faith receives justification through the faithfulness of Christ. Beloved, our faith in him is not the basis upon which we are justified, but rather our faith is the instrument by which justification is received. And so while faith is essential to our salvation, it does not merit it. And so you see, faith receives Christ, but it does not merit him. Faith receives the forgiveness of sins, but it does not merit the forgiveness of sins. Faith receives, beloved, the forgiveness of sins, but it does not merit the forgiveness of our sins. A lot of people have made faith and repentance into a work. And both of them, both faith and repentance, are the sovereign gifts of God. And so faith receives grace, but it does not merit grace. Faith receives justification, but it does not merit justification. Beloved, we're justified in the court of heaven 
by the decree of God the Father and the sin-atoning death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in the experience of grace, we are justified in the court of conscience by the declaration of God the Holy Spirit that we read in God's word. Beloved, the Holy Spirit declares, and this is what we're reading in this portion of Romans chapter 3, a sinner is justified by faith, the faith of Christ, without the deeds of the law. You see, saving faith, saving faith simply receives Christ. Saving faith does not accomplish salvation, or for that matter, make salvation work. Rather, saving faith simply receives the Lord Jesus Christ who did accomplish salvation. That's what the Word of God teaches. Again, verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So how are sinners justified? Sinners are justified by God. Romans chapter 8, verse 32 declares, How that our Heavenly Father spared not His only begotten Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. So who's the author of our justification? It is God that justifieth. Our salvation is of the Lord. Secondly, it's by God's grace that sinners are justified. Indeed, God is the fountain and spring of our justification. We say with the Apostle Paul, By the grace of God I am what I am. And so, beloved, justified freely by His grace, by the, by the blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ as the ground of our justification, and so we're being now justified by His blood, we, have, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Look over there with me in Romans chapter 5. I'll begin reading there in verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Again, how are sinners justified? Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, verse 25 tells us how our Lord was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Beloved, he was raised again because he justified us. You see, his resurrection declares that all he said and all he did is accepted of the Father. When he by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Again, how are sinners justified? My friend, they're justified by God-given faith as the means to receive the Lord Jesus Christ who saves us to the uttermost. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And so, my friend, what's your conclusion? 
who first heard the apostles' conclusion, what's yours? If I'm justified, God did it by his grace alone. In Romans 3, verse 29, we read, the apostle continuing to write, Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. My friend, at this church, and indeed at every church where you'll find God's people, we do not believe in what is known as a universal fatherhood of God. Now, with a lot of people, they teach that God is the universal father of all men. Now, while he may be the creator of us all, simply put, he is not. He is not the father of us all. You see, God is not the father of all men. Rather, he's only the father of his covenant children. Beloved, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. You see, nothing in Scripture teaches us that God is the universal Father of all mankind. Now, while we read in Malachi 2, verse 10, Have we not all one Father? Have not one God created us? And of course, God is the Father of all in a creative sense, but not in a saving sense for all men. You see, God is revealed to be our Father only to those who are made to receive him. You'll turn to John chapter 1. We read about that very thing. In John chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So, do I believe in the universal fatherhood of God? Absolutely not. God is not the father of all men in a saving sense. However, beloved, we do believe in the universal sovereign rule and reign of God over all men. And so he is the God of all men, but not the father of all men. He is the father of his covenant people. Indeed, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. He is the God and Lord of all men. He is the God of all creation and the God of all men, and all men are under his sovereign rule. And so who rules this universe? My friend, irrespective of what men may say, the one who rules this universe is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Indeed, the government is upon his shoulder. It does not matter if it's Trump or Putin, Trudeau or the Queen of England. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, the Lord turneth it whithersoever he will. And so God is the absolute God of all men. President or citizen, monarch or peasant, he's the God of heaven and earth, and he's the God of all men everywhere. Now seeing how that is so, verse 30 of Romans chapter 3. Seeing how that is so, that there is one God, one God manifest in three persons, Father, 
Son, and Holy Spirit, and these three are one. So seeing it is one God which shall justify the religious Jew, verse 30, seeing how that it is one God that will justify the pagan Gentile through faith, you see, beloved, we're justified by the faithfulness the uprightness of the perfect obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 30, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. You see, beloved, we're justified by the faithfulness, the uprightness of the perfect obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so seeing then there is one God, the true and living God, beside which there is no other, seeing then there is one God who is holy holy, holy, one God who is absolutely sovereign over all things, one God who rules and reigns everywhere, one God who is eternal from everlasting to everlasting. Therefore, since we see this, that there is just one God, there must of necessity be only one way of salvation. Our Lord Jesus Christ declares, I am the way. He didn't say a way. Rather, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. My friend, there's just one way to the Father, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, beloved, how can I be justified before God? How can you be justified before God? How does God justify a sinner like you and a sinner like me? By his grace given to us in Christ Jesus the Lord. You see, my friend, Christ is the only way of salvation. He declares, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, I'm the resurrection, I'm the door, I'm the water, I'm the bread, I'm the light, I'm the resurrection. Indeed, beloved, he's everything. Christ is all and in all. And so by faith and through faith, Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, having said all that, look there in verse 31. Do we then make void the law of God? Do we just cancel the law of God? God forbid, yea, we establish the law through faith. So how do we establish the law? By faith, beloved, by faith. Paul makes a big deal about this in Romans chapter 6, how that believers are not under the rule and reign of the law of Moses, but rather, beloved, we're under the rule and reign of our King, Christ Jesus the Lord. And so do we harm or make void the law of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do we do violence to the law of God? Do we make void the law of God through the gospel of Christ? And of course, the answer to that is not at all. Yea, rather, we establish the law. That is, we honor the law of God in perfection and in penalty. How do we do that, beloved? Through faith, we establish the law. You see, the law demands that its penalty be paid in full. And through faith in Christ, we are made to know he has paid it all. Further, the law demands perfection, that it be performed perfectly. And through faith in Christ, we are made to know his perfect law obedience, his righteousness 
is made to be ours. What's the foundation of faith? The Word of God. What's the object of faith? The Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we establish and honor the law through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through his obedient life, he honored the law of God. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to honor the law of God. So how does this vile sinner behind the pulpit honor the law of God? How do I honor the law of God so perfectly that it justifies me before God? Only through my representative, the Lord Jesus Christ, my advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. You see, he's my substitute. He's my representative. He's the one who honored the law of God perfectly on my behalf. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ shall many be made righteous. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ not only honored the law's demand for perfection, but further, he also honored the law's demand for payment. The law says the guilty must die. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Why was he cursed? That's what the law of God demanded of the guilty. The curse, judgment, and wrath of God fell on my substitute. And so, beloved, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You see, beloved, we honor the law of God through Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Indeed, by faith, we establish the law. Beloved, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. And so, my friend, don't ever think for a moment that you're going to produce a righteousness by stopping a bad thing or by starting a good thing. If that's what you're looking to, to justify yourself before God, you'll be condemned. You see, God's people are only and ever justified in Christ freely by his grace. Our Heavenly Father is well pleased with his Son's righteousness, for he has both honored and magnified the law of God for us. That's what we read in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 21. Take a look over there with me. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 21. God's word declares in verse 21 of Isaiah chapter 42, The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. Beloved, our Heavenly Father is well pleased with his beloved Son, his only begotten Son, for he has established a perfect righteousness on the earth on behalf of his people. He has both honored and magnified the law of God on our behalf, beloved. And so therefore, and we'll conclude with this, Romans chapter 3, verse 28. And so therefore, beloved, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Amen.